All right, good morning, everybody. So today we're continuing in our series of disciplines. And over the past two months, we've already covered the disciplines of prayer, fasting, meditation, study, submission, service, witness, and solitude. And we have about one more month, four more, seri- four more sermons in this series, including today. Uh, and today, we're, uh, this series is actually going to take us all the way to Easter. And today, we're going to be covering the topic of, of guidance. All right? Guidance. Have you guys ever been to a place or maybe a service or where the words that were spoken in that place sticks with you? Have you been to a place where the meaning and the message behind whatever was spoken, no matter what you've gone through, you remember so vividly that it becomes a guiding principle for you? For those that have been at our church for a while and that I know and, and also know me, know that I have a history of rebellion, but I re- just a little bit. But I remember there was this one message as a kid. I remember it so vividly. I was around eight. I can't pinpoint the age. I just know that I heard it at this camp called Camp Nakamum in Alberta. And I know that I went for three years. Uh, so I was either between the age of nine and 11. But I remember that there was one time there was these missionaries that came to speak to us as kids. Oftentimes I don't remember anything because my goal at Camp Nakamon was to do everything that I wasn't allowed to do and to do it so proudly that when I get caught that I could say I did it and you couldn't stop me. So that was usually my, my goal when I went to these camps. I was every camp counselor's nightmare. Like going to the archery range where nobody else was supposed to go to, going to the beach where nobody else was supposed to go to, uh, when there's no lifeguards on. That was my goal, was just to like, just freak out the counselors. But needless to say, most of the talks I fell asleep or didn't pay attention or was in trouble, so I actually had to sit outside. I don't know why that is a punishment. Like, do you want to punish me? Make me sit in the front. <laughs> like, make me sit outside of the room actually is what I wanted. But I remember there was this one talk that was ingrained in me so much. It comes from Isaiah 6. And for those that know Isaiah 6, it's the story where Isaiah encounters the Lord. Right? And I remember it so vividly because it was such a moment where the gospel came into my life in a way that was seared into my heart. There's three things that I, it became a guiding principle for me. One was that God was holy. When Isaiah went into heaven, he saw the glory and the holiness of God and the glory of God. And that holiness was so unbearable for Isaiah. And I remember the missionary just painted this picture of God's holiness. And I, for, for that, I remember God's holiness. The second picture that I remember was that because of God's holiness, it reminds us of who we are. It reveals to us our own personal character. It reveals to us the sinfulness that we have. But in that second picture, when Isaiah said that my lips are not clean, a seraphim flew to him 
took a coal and cleansed his lips. Remember that? So the second thing I took was that I remember is that in God's holiness, that God comes. And when the seraphim came and touched his lips, it said, first your guilt is taken away, and then your sins were atoned for. That means that God will take away any guilt, any shame, anything that you feel like God has come and said, any, any, anything that anybody has spoken over you that, that brings guilt and shame, God's going to take that away. And that even if you give yourself guilt and give yourself shame, that God's going to take that away. And then your sins are then atoned for. Your sins are now forgiven. And then the third thing I remember was God saying, whom shall I send? And at that age, the here I am, send me, became my guiding principle. I was very young. I didn't fully understand what that meant. But even the times when I decided to walk away from the Lord, those times when I was sitting in rehab, completely broken and downcasted, that these words remain true for me. They remain a guiding life for me. It remained a place where I knew that God says, I'm going to take that coal to touch to your lips. That all shame will be taken away. That your sins will be atoned for. That I remembered sitting in rehab, completely feeling alone and isolated. That God says, my holiness is still here for you. Not really believing who God was, but somehow knowing those words were true. And then going into a place where I came to know Christ and came to know Jesus. And then it's like, what do I do with my relationship with Jesus? And that aspect of who will go for me. And that aspect of here I am, send me leads every single decision that I make. That obedience comes easy because God says, who will go for me? And I made that commitment saying, here I am, send me. That obedience becomes easy because I've already committed my heart to that. And so those words... As a young man, even though I went through many other trials in between then and now, that it still is that guiding principle for me. That those words that were spoken to you, those words that were given to you, are those things that become that beacon of hope. Right? Where you know Deep down, somewhere deep down, you know that this is true. You may not fully understand it, but you know that it's true. This is the premise of spiritual guidance. This is the premise of how God guides us. And as we journey with God, that God is always there as a North Star for us. To know the direction that we need to go. Richard Foster says this guidance, spiritual guidance, the discipline of guidance, is the most radical of all the disciplines because it goes to the heart of the matter of walking with God. 
Guidance means the glorious life of hearing God's voice and obeying his word. So that's what we're going to look into. But before we dig into it, let's pray. Father, as we come before you as a church, we seek after your heart in the way that we are to walk with you. As we come before you, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your word to to come and speak to us. And we come before you humbled as you show us your compassion. Give us a grace to walk this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do we go about discerning or experiencing this discipline of guidance? The discipline of guidance is probably one of the hardest to understand because we see throughout the Bible in certain situations there are very exceptional means of guidance, which includes angels, visions, dreams, signs, and so much more. Uh, In some moments, there were also like moments to lay down a fleece like Gideon and wait and pray for such of these signs and to be obedient when we see them. But oftentimes, when we look at guidance, we don't always see these things occur in our lives. But from our previous sermons and the, the other spiritual guidance, we could draw from those places to help us come to this discipline of guidance. Ultimately, all of, ultimately this, this discipline involves prayer, looking in the Bible, uh, and, and using these as examples laid out from, for us from other believers. So first and foremost, our relationship with God primarily works through prayer. Oftentimes, even those that don't have a relationship with God has a concept of prayer. Those that are out there in society, everybody believes in some idea of prayer, right? So prayer is the first thing. Prayer is powerful. It crosses relational and religious barriers. And in a way, it is universal. But as children of God... As Christians, we have something that is even more powerful because in our prayers, we access the God Most High. This tool allows us to communicate and seek for God's direction and guidance. In Jeremiah 33, 3 says, it says this, God, call to me and I will answer. This is what God is saying. God, call to me and I will answer you and, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So prayer is that first place that we need to go to when we are looking for guidance. So oftentimes we try to to figure these things ourselves, but God tells us, call to me and I will answer you. Simply put it, prayer reveals the hiddenness of God. Prayer reveals the hidden heart of God. Prayer reveals so much in our lives that God has for us. So why do we try to figure things out? Why do we not go to prayer first? At this point, I'm going to ask Deborah to come on up because she has this crazy story that I want her to share. If you don't know who Deborah is, Deborah is actually one of the deacons here at the church. She's leading also the Compassion Ministry, and she is so fit for this ministry, and the story will tell you why. But I've asked her to come up here uh, to, to tell this story, uh, and yes, yeah, to encourage the church. So, Deborah, it's all yours. Anyway, I'll just um, 
um, say, first of all, I've been up since 4.30 this morning, so if I'm not coherent, um, you know, just please forgive me. And in the, in the wisdom, the wise words of my sister about a month ago, she said, at least you're surrounded by people who are big on forgiveness, so... Anyway, I'm going to jump right in because I only have a few minutes. So um, on January 16th, which was a, a Monday, I had to be downtown Vancouver for an appointment. And um, after the appointment, I took the uh, Canada line down to Waterfront Station. And um, when I disembarked the, the train, I saw this fellow on the platform who was visually impaired, and he was very visibly not able to find where he was going. So I, I went up to him, I approached him and, and asked him if I could help him in any way. And he said that he just needed help to get to um, the escalator. So I helped him to the escalator and got him on and I stayed at the bottom and I said, are you okay now? And he said he was. So we said our goodbyes. It was just a really short um, encounter so I turned around to head towards the other station so I could go home. And I, I probably made it five steps and something told me to turn around. And um, so I turned around and I ended up going up the escalator that I just put this fellow on. I'm not gonna name him by name, just for his privacy. Um, so I got to the top of that escalator, and if you're familiar with the, the um, Canada line at that particular uh, part of the station, there's a mezzanine, and that's where the gates are to leave, and then there's yet another escalator to get to the street level. So I got to the, the top of the escalator, and the, the gates were over here, and this fellow was way over here. He was, again, totally lost. So I approached him again and, and said, I'll, I'll help him get, get through the gates and then up the second escalator. So that's what, that's what we did. And we got to the top of the escalator. And, um, and we were at the street level. And I asked him if there was any place else that I could help him to get to. And he said, well, he was on his way to, to get a bowl of soup at Meinhardt's. And I said, well, I know where that is. I can take you there. And he thought for a moment and... and um, and he said, no, that's okay, I'll, I'll have trouble getting back. And so I said, well, we're literally right across the street from a place called Trees. And um, I said, I'm sure they have soup there. And again, he sort of pondered it for maybe two seconds. And he said, no, I'll, I'll have, I'll, I think I'll have trouble getting back. And then he asked me if I, if I would take him to his bus stop. So I said, yeah, sure, which was just a few steps away. And as I was walking him to the bus stop, um, we exchanged names and he told me a little bit about himself. And, and uh, like I said, it was just steps away. So we got to the bus stop and the bus pulled up and um, I got him onto the bus and the bus driver waited. And then just before I left, I, I said something like, bless you, and I got off the bus and away it went. I know this is a little bit long-winded, but it's, it's sort of setting the stage. So I went on, on my way. I was just heading home, and it was almost immediately I started to feel a little bit of remorse. Because um, I, I, I just thought, you know, there, there was some, I could have done so much more. I could have gone and maybe had a bowl of soup with him or he could have had his soup and I'd have a coffee. I love coffee. 
But um, the time had come and gone, and I remember thinking, you know, if I ever have an encounter like this again, you know, hopefully I've learned from it and, and just, you know, do things a little bit differently. So the, the next morning, Tuesday morning, um, some people know Tracy and I get together every morning during the week and um, to pray, and this, this whole scenario was fresh on my mind still. And um, so I told her about what had happened and, and uh, you know, the feelings of remorse. And I said, it's too, it's too bad, but, you know, I'll never see him again because he lives in Burnaby. And so right away, I mean, I think it's a little bit prophetic. She said, Deborah, don't say that you'll never see him again because you don't know that. She said, let's pray about it. So that's exactly what we did. We prayed about it. And... Um, we prayed that, you know, I would see him again, maybe. We prayed about his, his eyesight. We prayed about protection. And then, you know, the rest of the day was happening. So that's that same day. So this was Tuesday. I had yet another appointment downtown. So I know you're, you're, you're going to figure out where this is going. But I, I had a, another appointment. This time it was at um, St. Paul's Hospital. And I went to that, and then uh, right after that, I went to a restaurant called Bracca because they make the best um, apple fritters there. They're about the size of my face. And, and that was my lunch that day. <laughs> and then because I'm retired, I thought, well, it's Tuesday, and I don't often come downtown, so I thought, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do. So I thought, well, I'm going to go to... Um, I'm just going to do things that I don't normally do. So I, I walked down to Pacific Center and I wandered around there probably for about an hour and a half. The funny thing is I'm not a shopper, but I did that anyway. And then um, it was a beautiful day and I had, to, I had to get something at Staples. So from Granville, I went over to Broad Station to the Staples. I walked and picked up uh, something that I, I needed there. And then... Um, from there, I just thought, okay, what do I want to do? And I remember looking at my watch and thinking, hmm, it's time for coffee. I think I want to go and grab a coffee and read my book because I always carry a book around with me. I love going to coffee shops and, and reading and drinking coffee. So I thought, you know, yesterday I was really near Trees, and that used to be one of my favorite restaurants um, when I worked downtown. And they make the best cheese scones, I have like a real heart for carbs, obviously. <laughs> so, so, from, so now I'm at Burrard and, and now I'm heading back to Granville Street and I just want you to get the sense that this was just a totally unplanned day. So I got to, to, um, to Granville Street, looked in the window of trees and it was packed, it was packed and I just thought, you know what? I'll just read on the train. I'll maybe grab a coffee when I get back to New Westminster. And I don't know what made me do it, but I decided to cut through the station on my way and um, for the Canada line. And I got to the, the, the platform, and I couldn't believe it. There was this fellow, and he was waiting for a train. So... I was incredulous at first, and I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And then the second thought was, I can't wait to tell Tracy, because she's not going to believe it. <laughs> so I approached this fellow. He, he obviously couldn't see me coming. And um, as I was approaching, his, his train came in. I didn't know it was his train. But I approached him, and I said, hey. And I said his name. And I, say, I said, it's Deborah from yesterday. 
and he followed my voice and was looking at me, and he said, is this a setup? Because, yeah, it was, it, it was weird. And I said, I, I guarantee you this is no setup. I said, in fact, I think you are an answer to prayer. And I, then I recounted to him that Tracy and I had prayed for him and that, you know, maybe one day I would meet him. And then he told me why he was, he was going to Richmond. And he told me why he was going to Richmond. And... Um, but he said there's another place he could go to locally, but it was way harder for him to get there without sight. So I offered to take him, but I said, this time I'll, I'll bring you back. So that gave us a really uh, good opportunity to talk together. And uh, he shared a little bit of his story, which really touched my heart. And I took him to his destination and I gave him some, some space, you know, so I wasn't hovering. And, and that's when I, I had the opportunity to to uh, text Tracy, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the. So the the te it was really short. It was Tracy, what would you uh, call a miracle? I said I'm downtown Vancouver. I will call you later, and she said you saw so and so, and she named him by name, and I said yep, and she said. OMG, we literally prayed for that this morning, only God, with a couple of exclamation marks. And I said, yeah, truly, only God. Can't wait to tell you about it. So um, the fellow finished what he was doing, and we, again, walked back to the bus stop. And um, again, we had lots of time to talk. And um, when we got to the bus stop, I, I'd, on the way, I'd been telling him about Five Stones, and that's where I went to church. And um, Anyway, long story short, um, we decided to uh, meet up again on, on later in the week and by more conventional ways. And, um, and that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there because there, there is so much I would love to share, but it, it would be like a, a privacy thing. And I've kept it as general as I can. But there were just a few things I wanted to say, and I wrote these down because I wanted to say them just right. Um, I just feel really blessed that the Lord has been using me in this situation. I'm so glad that I listened to that voice to turn around that Monday. It just makes me a little bit teary just thinking about it. I'm so happy that Tracy and I prayed about it. And uh, I'm happy that God has put this fellow and me together. I, I don't know what the plan is down, down the road, but he's got a plan and, and things are happening. And uh, I just can't wait to see how God is going to be further glorified. And that's, that's it. Thank you, Deborah. You see why I asked Deborah to come and share? Because it is in these things that God hears our call and he answers and he reveals the hidden things, right? And I mean, I know the whole background of the story and Deborah continues to, to really just be God's hands and feet in this man's life. And it is, it is so incredible how the, 
the one that we chose to be the ministry lead for a compassion ministry is actually doing the most compassion work right now. And it just makes me know that we put the right person in charge. And I know that after that story, now everybody wants to join Deborah's team. So <laughs> if you want to join Deborah's team, join Deborah's team. It is so filled with so much reward. But God does that. He speaks to us. He prompts us in our personal growth. But he reveals his will for us. He gives us opportunity to practice our obedience with him. And all of that is just so, so that we could see his glory. Right? All of that is so that we could see who he is and how he works and how he cares for people. That God guides us, he leads us, he moves us into places where we may not normally, it's outside of our comfort zone. But God leads us into those places because we are his ministers. We are his light. We are his salt in this world. And God guides us into those places. And I mean, there's so many things that Deborah is do, has done. And I'm going to continue on the, the service. But Deborah isn't doing this on her own. She's doing this with the covering of the church. She, she, she has come and talked to us as leadership. She's talked to the, the entire deacon team about this. Like, there's so many things that... It's not just Deborah. De- Deborah's a point person. She's the messenger. But we do this as a church. We do this together because this discipline of guidance is a corporate thing. It's for the world to see. It's for the world to encounter. It's for the world to experience the power of God. For the world to see the glory of God. And so God speaks to us, and when we pray, God answers, and when we pray, God gives us this opportunity to to walk out the obedience that God has laid before us. Secondly, God speaks through us through study and meditation in Psalms 119.105, one of the most popular verses in the Bible, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path, that we know that scripture is filled with wisdom where we can gain insight into God's will And that scripture reveals God's heart for people. Through prayer, we can invite God to speak to us and reveal his will for our lives. But when we meditate on God's word, the Bible, I've said this many times, the, the Bible is God's word filled with wisdom and guidance for our lives. Right? We gain insight into God's will for our lives. We hold on. Here's the reality of it. Is that when we, as human beings, as fallen people, as broken people, we're all broken and and fallen here, right? That we hold on to certain prejudices and fears that we may not know. Right? We hold on to certain thought processes, certain things that, that, that come into our minds either through society or through our upbringing or through the experiences that we we encounter in our lives. And we hold on to these things. And what the Bible does is that it holds us to a unified place of what we are to do as a church. Because if we work out of who we are, work out of our own knowledge, we're going to spread the prejudices and we're going to spread the fears that 
actually often what divides us more than unifies us. And what the scripture does and what scripture gives us is this guiding principles of these are the things that we are to do as a church. It brings us together as one. That's what scripture does. It breaks down our fears and our prejudices. It breaks down our mind and our heart for God's mind and God's heart to do things. Does that make sense? That sometimes we will do things out of our own strengths. Natural. Everybody does that. Okay? I, I, I've done that a hundred times. Oftentimes when you do it out of that place, you fail. And I've, I've failed many times. But what the Bible allows us to do is it allows us to come back to that place of grace and mercy and compassion. It reminds us and gives us a place of this is our starting point. This is God's heart for people. This is God's heart for me. But it's not only for me, it's for every single person here and then every single person in our community and then every single person in our city, every single person in our province, to, the, to, to our country, to the world. That God's heart is for every single human being. And that scripture brings all of us into a place of knowing who he is knowing what his will is for us, and knowing that God has something that is so great, that his love is poured out, that scripture gives us the heart of God. And we work out of that principle. We work out of that guiding principle. And so the second thing that, that leads us to guidance is his scripture. First we pray, second we look into his word, we meditate on his word and say, God, how, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do these things? How are we supposed to live our life? What are we supposed to do? What is the barometer? What is the measure that we measure our life against? How does God guide us? What scripture does, it holds our unit together. It allows us to contend for the same things and not doing things on our own whim. Scripture is spirit-led unity for the church. However, after we pray and we study, we need to come together to do this. We are not meant to walk out our Christian lives alone. In Proverbs 15, 22, it says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. The church is essential to the spiritual discipline. However, I also understand that oftentimes some of us have re have probably received some bad counsel from the church or from church leaders in the past. And I, I want you guys to know that as a church here at Five Stones that we're gonna try our best and provide counsel from the best place that we can come with. I know that there's trauma out there. I know that there's, there's hurt that has been, that, that some of us may have experienced and one of, the, one of the things the church is responsible for is actually to call out bad leadership and bad, bad things that's happened, bad abuse, spiritual abuse. Let's just call it out. But the idea that Jesus, when he planted his, the, the church, when he set the church in place, the idea here is that we could turn to our trusted friends for wisdom. Turn to your church, turn to your community for a place of wisdom. You guys all know who St. Francis of CC is, right? 
And oftentimes we hold on to some of these people in, in a, a great place. But even St. Francis of Sisi had friends that he turned to. Friends that he trusted. There was Brother Sylvester and Sister Claire. And he went to, God, to these guys for God's guidance. These friends prayed with him for signs and promptings. But what they were doing wasn't just about advice, but words to open, in his words, open the windows of heaven to reveal the mind of Christ. That's what, the, that's what coming together is about. When we look for guidance, we find a small group that knows us well or that we know well where we're not afraid to be honest and candid. The goal isn't always to find an answer, but it's to point us to a place where we know that there is safety when we are in a community that supports each other and points us to worship God. That's what it's about. It's to point us back to who God is. It's point us back to looking towards God and saying, God, what do you want in my life? It's to help each other come to that place of submitting to God's will. You know what the biggest opposition to guidance is? It's ourselves. It's our own will. We struggle with, the reason why we struggle to come into the will of God is because we want what we want when we want it, right? My kids are perfect examples of this. They're, they're still young, so I could still talk about them without their permission. <laughs> All the PKs in here are just like, oh. But my kids are in a place, especially my, my daughter, Faithy. She loves to exert her will. That's, she's two years old, you know, the terrible twos. We're fully in it. I can't even tell you how hard it is right now. We want what we want. Faithy, every single day she challenges me. Every single day. Multiple times a day. Where she just has something in her mind and she's just like, I want it right now. And sometimes it's either not the right timing or it's just something that she should not have, period. Right? And what does she do? You can't explain it. There's, not, there's nothing you can do. She just drops to the ground, throws a tantrum, kicks her legs, stomping her feet, crying. Eyes closed. I hate it when she closes her eyes. Because you can't even talk to her. She's just crying. She closes her eyes. And I'm just like, okay, just, just look at me for a second. No, she's just wailing on the ground. Full on tantrum. Could go on for 20 minutes if she wants to. She's so much like me. <laughs> that's why it aggravates me. But that's how we are sometimes with God. Right? That we ask God for certain things and we see, we come to God and say, God, I need this in my life right now. And God's saying, it's either not the right time or it's not the right thing. But we don't want to see that. We don't want to hear that. And all we want to do is throw a tantrum and we completely just say, forget this all. I am going to cry. Close my eyes. I don't want to hear anything. I'm going to stomp my feet. I'm going to do all those things. And I don't want to hear what the Father has for me. That's what we do. The biggest opposition to guidance and the spiritual, the spiritual discipline of guidance is ourselves. It's our will and it's what we want. 
right? It takes a certain level of maturity in our own lives to come to that place of trusting God and saying, God, I trust you with everything that you have for me. My kids, as they mature, they're going to come to this place of not closing their eyes, not throwing a tantrum, not yelling, not screaming, not stomping their feet, and allowing me to reason with them. And sometimes that's what we need to do in our spiritual lives. That we may have been Christians for a long time, but our maturity is not at a place where we're willing to submit to trust God's will for our lives. I mean, Candace shared a powerful thing during worship of the woman that was bleeding. I think it was Luke 8. Where she had faith to go and touch Jesus' garment. But one of the things is, it's not just faith that it requires. It requires a lot of courage. Jesus was covered with people all around him, which is why Peter, in that moment when Jesus said, who touched me? Peter's just like, are you crazy? There's a million people around you. There's so many people touching you right now. But Jesus, who touched me? Because Jesus felt that power leave. Right? But that woman who was bleeding for 12 years, okay, she was ostracized. She was completely outside of the community because actually Deuteronomy gives women very clear directions when they go through their menstrual cycle. And so this woman has been dealing with 12 years of nonstop menstrual cycle. That's what she was dealing with. That when women go through that, they have to set themselves apart. So this is laws that are given to us in the Bible. We find these things in the Bible and, 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 and they, have to, they have to set themselves apart. So she was set apart from the rest of society for 12 years. That's how desperate she was. There's an aspect of desperation for us to mature. There's an aspect too. Okay, I don't believe that what Candace felt today in worship was a mistake. I believe that that word is for this church. That word is for us. That we need to come to that place where we are brave enough to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your healing. I need that faith to come before you. And I need you to bring me and make me whole again. And Jesus wants that for you. Jesus wants to give you that power. He wants that faith to come upon you. Jesus wants you to be whole, church. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be in his freedom. He wants you to to walk in the freedom that he has given you to go and, and be his disciple, to be his light, to be his salt. Jesus wants that for us, church. But it does take courage. It takes a level. It, it, it requires you to take that step. Because Jesus is there for you. Never forget that. Jesus is there for you. But you need to take that step and say, I need Jesus to heal me. I need, you need to have that faith, that moment of courage, that second of courage. 
Just think about it as one second of courage. That's all you need. One second to ask. Because Jesus says, what? Ask and you will receive. Amen? Ask and you will receive. How do we relate to God? Do we relate to God as a toddler that throws tantrum for, 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 for God in our lives? Are we willing to trust God and submit and surrender our desires for His? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall make your path straight. One of the things in trusting in God's guidance is that our relationship with God grows from being an acquaintance and it gives way to a friendship with God. That we begin to recognize God's voice and that voice draws us in and it encourages us. That we begin to recognize His spirit that is full of grace and mercy. That we discover the content that is being said is always consistent. That God has always spoken over His creation. That his word is always consistent from the day that he created the earth till today. Five stones, we're a community and we are to affirm and clarify the words that we may receive from God. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another to build one another up just as you are doing. The more we are here to help each other shape our lives after God, the more and more we try to align ourselves with his will. I mean, we all want to do this individually, right? It's actually more difficult for us to actually do this together as a church. That we convince ourselves that we're walking in God's will, even if it's meant to, even if it's going to go against God's will. But as a church, we're here to keep each other accountable to that. We're here to encourage each other in our walk with him. We're here to encourage that. You know what encourage means is to put in courage, right? I just said it takes bravery. You need to help each other step into that place of bravery. That yes, it takes one, one second of courage from you. But that one second sometimes comes from your friends pushing you towards that place. So you need that. I love the story how Deborah had Tracy to just pray. Right? They come together and pray, and, and Tracy encouraged Deborah. Deborah's like, I don't know about it. And Tracy's like, No, pray. I love Tracy's enthusiasm. Like, <laughs> Tracy, when she gives her announcements up here, like, you just want to join her. <laughs> her evangelistic spirit just pours out. That's what, it, what happened is that Tracy gave Deborah courage to that place of saying, hey, let's pray about it. You don't know what God's going to do, right? So let's pray about it. Let's, let's do it. It's, it's that moment of courage. And as random as Deborah's day was, I believe that randomness was intentional because the train comes every two, three minutes. If she went down there, one minute before, one minute after, she would have missed him. But there's intentionality when it comes to that. 
that when we come together, we seek God's will together, that we help each other. As a church, we, we come together and we do church together, that we are able to, to go and serve together, that we're able to encourage each other, love each other, to, to be family together. That we can pray together, we study together, that we can spend time fasting, to be silent. Sometimes that's what we need. We actually need silence so God could speak, right? That we could worship together to hear God speaking and shaping us. We live in a culture where we're left to make so many choices on our own, and we often look for different resources to help us in our decision-making process. Unknowingly, we actually begin to look for guidance in different areas, but we have such a wonderful resource in our church community that we could come together and help each other discern God's will for us. As we grow in God's likeness, we align ourselves with him and our lives reflect the fruit of the Spirit living in and through us. The discipline of guidance involves seeking God's will and direction in every area of our lives through prayer and meditation in God's word and seeking counsel from other believers and submitting to God's will. As we cultivate these disciplines in our lives, we walk in the center of God's will in our life. And then we get to experience peace and joy that comes from walking in his will. So this is what the discipline of guidance is. This is about us as a church. That we go to prayer and meditation, but it's us coming together as a church to walk this out together. This is not an individual thing. It is a family thing. Find safe people that know you, that you also know, that you allow to speak into your life and that you can speak into their lives. Have those honest conversations with each other. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in Five Stones Church and and all the things that you're about to do. So Father God, we come before you and we ask for your heart and your mind and your vision for Five Stones. And we come to you as a community so that we can work together for your glory. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give all our worship unto you. And may you give us courage to walk each day. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct, direct your paths. This is a word that's been spoken to me so many times. Uh, and, uh, and it's, again, I'm reminded through Pastor John's uh, message today that we need to trust the Lord in everything especially the uh, the the, uh, the heart-wrenching times when we are uh, our our hearts are just broken and as we sung we're just broken inside and we need to trust him and sometimes it's so difficult I'm just reminded of Jesus when he was hung on the cross you know he and he repeated Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. And yet, that's a psalm of trust as well. But it's a psalm of reality as well, a psalm that says to us that uh, I, I just can't stand the pain and the struggle and being real and being real. So I love the fact that uh, um, we can just be real with God. We can trust the Lord with all our hearts and find the guidance that we need. So today, I just encourage you to keep trusting God in every step uh, with all your heart, if, with all your desperation, with all your needs, with all your angst, with all your anxiety, with all your with all the struggle that you have. Trust Him in all of your ways. Acknowledge Him, pray. And then go for counsel. You know, that's, talk to people. I'm glad we have the red carpet thing. You know, we can at least have someone to talk to, to pray about things. And I love the Deborah and Tracy, you're praying and you're, you're, you're having counsel yeah, in prayer. So encourage you, church, to go out and remember what you can do. Trust God. Pray. Seek Him. Seek Him in His Word. Get the counsel that you need. And uh, yeah, church, may you be blessed. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. And all God's people say, Amen.